Hello, and welcome to our third episode of Talking with the Hawks. Today we have an exceptional guest. We have Dr. Talisa Dixon, the superintendent of CCS, joining us today. Thank you, Dr. Dixon, for joining us today. Thank you, Timothy. I'm so excited to join you on your, in this podcast. We know you are very busy, so we are going to get started with the questions right away. On Talking with the Hawks, we focus on social-emotional learning, so I was wondering if we could talk about social-emotional learning in the CCS community. So, we have a few questions for you. Our first question is, why do you think social-emotional learning is important for CCS students? Well, that's a great question, Timothy. Um, I believe social-emotional learning is so important, especially now during a pandemic. Our students um, are trying to juggle academic excellence while also dealing with the many traumas that they face during a pandemic. So how do we make sure that our students have, that we have the space, the warm, um, welcoming space in school and in our classrooms that they can focus on their learning while also having additional supports like counseling if they want to talk to a guidance counselor. If they just want to go to a room and just kind of debrief, you know, if I just want to go to a space and just listen to some music. Um, if I just want to walk around um, the classroom or the building, how can we create that space that students have a break, get to take time out um, to make sure that their um, social-emotional needs are being met? Uh, and also partnering with like Nationwide Children's Hospital and other places that are providing opportunities for us to give students that time and space and also giving our teachers the tools that they can help and assist our students. Yes, that was a very lovely answer. So our second question is, what plans do you have to implement social-emotional learning in CCS? Yes, so some of it is happening already in various schools. So some of our schools have um, rooms set aside um, that students can go and take um, this time out. Um, some of our schools have office hours where students can visit with a um, guidance counselor or any other trusted adults if they want to take some time and just kind of really talk through um, something that is heavy on their hearts or minds. Um, but we also have partnered with Nationwide Children's Hospital and other entities that are providing appropriate counseling um, for our students if needed. Um, the last piece that we hope to start um, this summer is we're going to be really ramping up our restorative practices. And that is giving um, students the space to try to, with trusted um, adults, to really talk about um, their trauma with other students. Um, and we call it circles. So you're coming together um, every morning, maybe you start off your class period just talking about how your evening was or something that's on your mind during the day. But we want to make sure that students have an opportunity to talk about uh, things that may be bothering them before they start talking about academics, right? Because if you know, if, if you have something heavy on your heart or mind, you don't really want to focus on work. You really want to focus on this thing is really bothering me. I really need to talk about it with a trusted adult or a trusted peer 
please allow space for that to happen. And then we can talk about math or science or social studies. Yes, I love those various options. I really think that students could use those. Yeah, and I think it's important, don't you think? Because you, you think about your peers when they come to school. You know, you think about someone that comes to school and really has a heavy issue. You know, do you guys want to go right to work and work on an assignment, or do you really want that time to debrief and really talk to someone about yeah. it? Yeah. So our third question is, how does the district use the panorama surveys for social-emotional learning? Uh, that's a good question. So we partner with Panorama, um, the organization that really kind of gives us insight on um, the culture and climate that's happening in our schools. So we really take that feedback and we um, look at that data and say, what do we need to improve? So student voice of that is so important. So if students are telling us that, you know, we don't feel that our schools are nurturing, then we take that information back to our administrative team and our other executives and say, how can we make sure our schools are more nurturing? What do we need? So, for example, I love when I entered your building, I had a chance to meet Charlie, right? Here's a little beautiful dog. He's a, not a Yorkie poodle. He's a poodle who um, students can connect with because who doesn't love a beautiful animal, right? We have our different pets. But it is a way um, that students have something to connect with. And we may see through our surveys that we need more of that in our schools. Um, the other piece is give us information about how safe our schools are. So I know you have some questions about that later on, but it really gives us um, a temperature check to see what are those things that are happening in our schools that we need to take action on right now because our students and our staff or our community believes that this is a concern. Yes, I agree with you 100% on that. Yeah. So this was a question from a, we had from a Hiltonia student. How many students and staff are in CCS? We have about 48,000 students and almost 9,000 staff members. That's So we are a very large organization. That's a lot. <laughs> yes, that's a lot. We are the largest school district in the state of Ohio. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a little bit of a personal question. Can you tell okay. us a little bit about how you came to be our superintendent? Like, what made you want to become our superintendent? Were you a teacher? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. So, yes, I started out, I really wanted to be a sociologist. I wanted to figure out how to solve all the social problems that was happening in um, the United States. Um, and then I started, um, one of my graduate advisors said, you know what, Talisa, I really think you should try teaching. And I did really want to because both of my parents were teachers. And I was like, I don't want to be a teacher. Um, so I did. I tried it and I loved it. So I was a high school social studies teacher. I taught economics, African-American studies, American history, and intro to sociology. And I did that for four years, um, and then I became an assistant principal at a middle school. Absolutely love being in a middle school. The middle school students were so very different from high school students. 
Um, and then from there, I moved to Columbus, Ohio, and became a high school assistant principal, and then went on to be a principal at Brookhaven High School and at COS, Columbus Alternative High School. I left Ohio and went to Michigan for four years as a deputy superintendent um, of instruction, teaching and learning. And that was a fun job, too, because I had an opportunity to really learn K-12 instruction, spent a lot of time in elementary buildings, and that was something I had never done. But it was just fascinating to see what teachers were doing from pre-K to 12th grade. And then I had an opportunity to be a superintendent for the first time in Cleveland Heights, which is a, a suburb of Cleveland, about 6,000 students, and had a wonderful opportunity there before um, coming to Columbus. So I actually came back to Columbus after being gone for nine years. Um, and so was really happy and humbled to be chosen to come back to Columbus where I spent nine years as an assistant principal and a principal. So really felt good. Um, I was nervous, scared, you know, really thinking, how oh, can I do this? Could I really um, help uh, an organization focus on students and student outcomes um, and student experiences? Um, and I said, yes, I can. Um, and so it's been a wonderful journey, even though we spent two years in a pandemic. Um, I'm just looking forward to doing more of this how awesome it is to have a student who created their own podcast and how can we, and Timothy, maybe you can be a leader, an ambassador of that, is encouraging all schools to have conversations in, um, in their schools and maybe create podcasts all over the district. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Yeah. So it sounds like you had a little bit of a moving around. <laughs> yes, I moved from Akron, Ohio to Columbus to Saginaw, Michigan, to Cleveland Heights, Ohio, and then back to Columbus. And I'm from Mississippi, from Oxford, mm. Mississippi. Yes. Well, if you didn't know, now you know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so another personal question we have is how challenging is it to make your decisions? Oh, wow. That's a great question, Timothy. I think one of the um, but um, the answer to that of how challenging it is to make decisions is think about the pandemic. Um, one of the questions, well, one of the decisions that I think the students love, but it is straining on the superintendent is snow days, right? So all students love when we do snow days. But I don't know if people know this. I am up as early as 4.30 in the morning trying to make a decision about snow days. Um, and it is... You know, and because you have to make sure, you know, are the roads clear? You know, do we have enough bus drivers available to drive? If students have to walk, are the sidewalks clear um, so that they're not walking in the streets? Because I know you notice sometimes sidewalks are not plowed, right? Um, so it is tough trying to make decisions about snow days. Um, another decision was um, during the pandemic, when do we go back to school five days a week? Right, because remember, we you were going to school Monday and Tuesdays, Wednesday, I mean Thursdays and Fridays, and I really wanted students to be back in the classroom five days a week with your teachers in the classrooms. So, but that was a tough decision because I had to work with our Nationwide Children's Hospital, 
our local health officials to make sure that it was safe enough to bring our students back to school five days a week. Make sure we had all our mitigation strategies in place. Would students have masks? Would it be sanitizers? Um, how many people were being vaccinated? You know, with staff vaccinations, students vaccinations. So to- those were really tough decisions um, that I had to make um, with other trusted adults who were really professionals, I mean experts in the health field. So those decisions were not made in isolation. I really relied on our medical experts and health officials to really help me make the best decision. So it's not easy, (laughs) but you do it with students in mind. Your students and staff have to come first. You want to make sure it's safe for our students, it's safe for our staff, Um, and sometimes those decisions are tough, and you have to lean on other people to advise you to help you make the right decision. Yeah. So it sounds like you have a system in place for your decisions yeah, it's a system with a lot of people involved and a lot of touch points um, and really coming to the conclusion, okay, so what's the ultimate decision? And um, some are easier, like, okay, it's snow days, yeah, okay, we could stay and the students celebrate. Um, but the others, when you're talking about masks and um, and someone's health and all of that, those things, those are a, a, a tougher, they really require more people to advise me on those decisions. Um, yeah. Yes, I agree with you that 100%. Yeah. So how do you think we can change your problems that affect us in school? Oh, my gosh. I think what we're doing right now, and if you mean we as a students, yeah, I, I think, you know, to me, student um, agency is so important. Our new strategic plan, we talk about students leading the way. And that means that we allow our students to be leaders, not only in the buildings, but also in the district. It is important that our students step up and really provide opportunities to be heard. Um, If it's through a podcast, is it through student-led assemblies, we can give our students the opportunity to do it. You guys are our future. And if we do not give you the opportunity to be out in front, then shame on us as leaders. Um, I think doing surveys, um, just whatever you as a student believe that we can get feedback and of things that are very important issues to you and the student body, and you get those to your principals, your counselors, um, even to the superintendent, it is important um, that student voice is loud and and that this organization, which we have, we provide a space for student voice. Yes, I love that very descriptive answer. And I agree with all of your points that you just made just then. I love them. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And then I think, too, Timothy, if if something that you believe that we should be doing, you know, come to to me, come to the board um, meetings and say, you know, we have student ambassadors I met with my ambassadors yesterday. It's about 40 students grading. Um, so my 8th graders, there will be ninth graders next year to 12th graders who are the voice of our high schools. And we need more um, students to be involved. So if you want to be a part of it, let us know. You can be one of our student ambassadors next okay. year. Okay. I, I would definitely take that up. <laughs> 
Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so another question we have, uh, this is dealing with violence. How can we help violence calm down in a school-based situation? Oh, wow. So one of the things we know and we recognize that during the pandemic, our students, you guys were away from us, right? And so many students, think about the amount of time that you spend at school versus home, right? You get up in the morning, you come to school, you really spend more time at school than you do at home, especially during the school year. So almost two years, we were not spending that same amount of time. So a lot of students were disconnected from us, disconnected from their trusted teachers and their peers. Um, and then what we saw, remember we had saw a lot of social unrest that was happening. You know, when you think about the Black Lives Matter movement, um, we just saw a lot that was happening in the summer of 2020. Um, and it, you know, we saw a lot of marches that was happening in downtown Columbus. So we saw a lot um, of protests, and, and many of them were peaceful protests. But there were young people and, and, and people of all ages and all walks of life that were saying that there are a lot of injustices that are happening, and we want to stop to this. And I was really proud of our students um, who participated in many of those peaceful uh, marches. But what we also saw that when our students came back to school, they hadn't been together for a long time, right? And so um, socially, students were not getting along, and we saw an increase in one um, um, student's behavior started to change. We saw an increase of fights or arguments, um, and we saw that happening in the community, and then it was happening, manifesting itself in, in our schools. Um, and it didn't sit well with me as a superintendent or with your principals or your teachers. So we were really trying to find ways of bringing our student community, I mean, our school communities together and really talk about what's happening. Um, and we're still going to have to do more of that. But finding a space to say, what is happening with our youth? Why are they so disconnected with our schools? How can we bring our communities together? to really talk about what is happening in our schools, um, in our communities, and have a big conversation about that. Um, one of the things we plan to do is have become, hopefully, a restorative practice city. And that is the um, city of Columbus partnering with um, Columbus City Schools and training people across the city in restorative practices how to have those restorative circles, how to bring people together um, to have those critical, trusted, safe conversations. And we hope that students can use those tools in school and after school. And then the community knows those same strategies. So if they see, you know, Timothy and some other students having a meltdown, they can say, hey, let's come together at the rec center and and have a restorative circle conversation. And you say, hey, we do those at school, right? I know what um, these are feels comfortable. They're, I know the strategies. I know the protocols, rather. Um, and we really want um, the city and our partners to really help us help our students and our families. So um, we know that these problems are happening. We want our students in school, engaged, um, and so that they can have the opportunity to, um, you know, go to college, to military, 
workforce, whatever it is they want to be, but they have to be able to come to school and come to school, feel safe um, in order to grow academically. Yes, I agree with you. So a question I asked you earlier, if we could talk about the Columbus Promise. Could we talk about the Columbus Promise now? Yes, absolutely. Um, So the Columbus Promise, um, one of uh, the the, um, city council president, Shannon Harden, who is a graduate of Columbus City Schools and now is a a president, really wanted to find a way um, to ensure that our students had an opportunity to go to college, but not have to incur a whole lot of debt because this is expensive to go to college. So he talked with me during the pandemic and said, is there a way that we can um, start a Columbus um, uh, Promise opportunity, a scholarship opportunity in the city of Columbus by partnering with Columbus City Schools? Uh, Because he had investigated um, some other states that were doing something very similar. And I said, absolutely. I was familiar with something similar from the state of Michigan. And that's where the, 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 you know, the conversation started then and the work began. And now we're able to say that every student that graduates from Columbus City Schools can attend Columbus State Community College free. All you need to do is graduate from high school, fill out your financial aid uh, packet, fill out your Columbus Promise application, and fill out your application for Columbus State University. Just four things that you have to do. And just really excited to be able to offer that to our students. Debt-free, you get to go to Columbus State, and you graduate with your associate's degree, and then you can go to any other college that you want to if you want to pursue a four-year degree. That sounds like a great opportunity for a two-year degree. Yes. Especially... Yeah, especially for families that make low income. Oh yeah, because you know you can be you know many students can be the you know can change the narrative for their families uh, by being the first person they go to college, right, and have a good job and just really change the narrative. And that's the piece that's so important because all of our students have the potential. We just want them to be able to graduate without having all the debt. You know, you don't want to be that person that graduated, has this wonderful degree, and then all of a sudden you find out, well, i got to spend the majority of my money paying back these student loans. Um, this Columbus Promise opportunity eliminates that debt, at least for your associate's degree. Yes. And I, yeah. I uh, love how you did that. Like, you yeah. totally thought about the students when you had to do that. Yeah, it was me and Council President Harden who graduated from, um, you know, Columbus City Schools. He said, you know, he went to graduate from Morehouse College, and he had thousands of dollars and and student loans. And he said, I want other Columbus City School students to be able to go to college but not have that debt. Um, So it was important to me to partner with him because I knew it was going to impact over almost 50,000 students, right? What a wonderful opportunity for for the Columbus community to partner together and say, we love and care about our students so much that we're going to offer them this opportunity to further their education without the debt. And and Hiltonia, for example, you have um, career tech programs, right? So think about your students in these career tech programs 
and they want to go to Columbus State and get a two-year degree, my gosh, you get a job automatically, um, and you can make the decision if you want to go further and get your four-year degree. So this is going to be a personal question. I want you to answer this, like, just okay. the best you can. If you could have one wish yes. come true for the students of CCS, what would it be? Oh, if I could have one wish come true for the students of CCS, wow. Hmm. Only one, right? Okay. Yeah. Uh, I want every student to come to school every single day and feel good about themselves and all the information that they're going to learn. Um, and then when they leave, they said, oh, my gosh, I had a great day at my school. This is a great school, a great school district, and it's all because of what I was, the, the opportunities that I had at CCS. That, that, that wish comes true, and I know it is in many different buildings, but for all of our students, I would be honored because I would know that every day students came to school, they felt good. They, figured, they felt good about who they are. They know that when they leave Columbus City Schools, they've had a good education, and they can go out and be whatever they want to be. And that is go to the military, go to college, um, go to the workforce, but all because they had a good opportunity in Columbus City Schools. That's my wish. So this is going to be our last question. What, okay. what leads you to the safest decisions for the CCS community? Wow, what leads me to, um, to the safest decisions for the CCS community? Wow. Well, part of that is just recognizing what's happening, right? Um, I think sometimes uh, leaders are sometimes far away from the reality of what is happening in their organizations. And I don't want to be that leader. Um, I spend the majority of my time as a building principal. So I always go back to those building principles. I have a, we have a principal's cabinet, and those principal cabinet members are telling us what's happening, right? Um, and I also have one of my um, area superintendents that always says, um, those that know the work touch the work. And that means those people who are on the ground every day, they actually know what's happening. So I have to leave, lean on them to really give me the information of what's really happening. Um, and utilizing those people and me coming and visiting buildings and really having those critical and honest conversations really helps me lead better and become a better leader because I'm listening to those that are doing the work. Um, if I sat um, in central office and don't, and, you know, and not listening to others or getting other feedbacks, and I'm not making decisions that are best for kids. Um, students will tell you, as I love about our students, because you're open and honest about what's happening. Our teachers will tell us, our principals tell us, um, and I just want to be that leader that listens. You know, sometimes it's it's not often perceived that I'm listening because you know you think about their over 48,000 students, so you think about all the parents and all the staff members, um, 
and you're just trying to take the best information you have. So you're listening to people. You're looking at the panorama surveys. Um, you, you know, you're taking all of that data and just really trying to make sure that you're making the best decision as a leader. And then the last piece is um, I recognize that we want our students to come to school and be in safe environments. Um, uh, I want to be able to come to my office and feel safe. I want our students in our schools and feel safe. Um, and, and sometimes the things that are happening in the community um, uh, kind of doesn't feel good for our students, right, or our staff. Um, but we know that safety is priority. We learn, you know, learning is the second piece, but safety is our priority. And people want to come to school where they feel safe before they start learning. And um, I'm mindful of that, and I want to make sure that I'm leading um, with safety in mind for all of our students, our staff, and our families. Great question, Timothy. You're on, I can't hear you. You're on mute. Uh, sorry about that. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> uh, we know that you are extremely busy, so we uh, really appreciate the time you took with us today. Thank, uh, thank you. you. This was great. And you're a wonderful host, Timothy. Thanks for the compliment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, this is good. This is good. And thank you. You guys have been so gracious. Thank you for this okay. opportunity. Well, that is it for this episode of Talking with the Hawks. And we hope you listen with us next time. Goodbye. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you. <laughs>